The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Park in the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I know it's been a little while, but I am back, and it is time to start recapping some stuff. There's been lots of things going down in the world of football. Some parts of the world are just heating up. Other parts are winding down. Some are finishing and starting again on the next day. But you know what? In this episode, episode 27, we're staying focused on one league in one country. All right, we're going back to South America once again, and we're parking the bus in Brazil. It is the final day of the Brazilian League, the Brasileirão Açaí 2020. Yes, keeping with the tradition of completing 2020 championships in the year 2021. And this is no different. It was the final night of the season. And it was yours truly, the Mister's 38th birthday. Last Thursday, February the 25th. Round 38 of the Brasileirão. Amazing that they squeezed 38 rounds into roughly six months or less. It might have even been less than that, to be honest with you. If I remember correctly, I believe we got started up around July, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a little bit later than that. Maybe it was August. But uh, this Brasileirão season was action-packed. There was a lot going on, and we've covered some of it here on this podcast, and it started way back, like I said, and at the beginning of the season, uh, Flamengo was in turmoil, turmoil. Their manager that led them to conquer the world, essentially, last year, at least South America, within minutes, you know, taking Liverpool to extra time in the World Club Cup Final 2019, their manager, J.J. George Zuzuj, abandons ship just weeks before the start of the Brasileirão season after clinching the Carioca Championship, the Rio State Championship last year. Uh, I can't remember anymore what month that was in, but I know he, 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 it was late July, if I remember correctly, because of where he went. I know when he was announced as ma- the new manager at my club at Benfica in Portugal, uh, he was announced as the new manager late in July because the cup final was on August the 1st and many supporters wanted him to already manage in that match. That didn't happen, but it was late July when he left Flamengo to return to Portugal, okay? And the Brasileirão kicked off 10 days later. All right, so Flamengo starting the season 
with a new manager. They started off with Dominic Toje, all right, a Spaniard of Catalan uh, origin who had represented represented FC Barcelona in the past, who'd been with Pep Guardiola, not just at Barcelona, but also at Bayern Munich, and who had, if I'm not mistaken, some some experience in Major League Soccer as well. I'm not sure anymore. I know I talked about this about a year ago <laughs> or whenever, uh, six months ago now, seven, eight, nine months ago. I've lost track of time with this COVID thing and with these seasons overlapping. I've lost track of time, but I know I ran down his CV when he was when he was hired as manager of Flamengo. Um, and he was, you know... Uh, I thought he was a breath of fresh air for Brazilian football, to be honest, but it didn't get off to a good start. Flamengo started off very, very poorly, okay? And then they also saw themselves um, not just fall behind, but they also saw uh, Atletico Mineiro early on in the season get out to a great, great uh, lead. They started very, very strong, Atletico Mineiro did. Later in the season, though, uh, the... the the, the momentum would, would shift a little bit, and for a large portion of the season, we saw Sao Paulo taking over, and I remember saying somewhere around the midpoint of the season to some of my Brazilian friends that I thought Sao Paulo was going to win the Brasileirão this year. I thought Sao Paulo was on their way, and they looked it, but then they hit a run of bad form, and Internacional Porto Alegre took over, and they went on a run. And they found themselves finding their way into first place. Flamengo, from from the rear, if you will, always keeping pace with the leaders, never making a move to the front until the very end. And with one round to play, round 37 at the Maracanã. First place, Internacional took it on second place, Flamengo. Flamengo quietly made their way back to the front. Okay, and they went 2-1 to one at the Maracanã in round 37. And that was four days before the round we're talking about in this episode. But Flamengo take a one-point lead, a two-point lead, excuse me, 71 points. They take a two-point lead into the final day. Internacional not out of it yet, of course. So it was a big, big final day. And before we get to that, all right, and I'll run that down in just a minute. Uh, I'm gonna. I got a little bit of news for y'all, okay? Uh, fans of Brazilian football, of course, this is of interest to you, especially if you live here in the United States of America, and um, if you're having trouble finding Brazilian football on television, finding the Brasileiro. Well, I've got some news for you. It was announced just earlier. Uh, I would say earlier this week, in fact, um, as m- some of you may know. As of today, March the 4th of 2021, CBS All Access has been rebranded and it is now uh, Paramount Plus. Okay. CNN, uh, CBS All Access, excuse me, now Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is still your home for the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. And starting this August, it'll be your home for UEFA. Europa Conference League as well. All three competitions will be played on that network here in the United States. But now they've added some more properties to their football lineup, and this is exciting, and it is the headline. This comes directly from CBSSports.com. It was also reported on World Soccer Talk this week. Paramount Plus adds CONCACAF qualifying 
Brazil's Campeonato Brasileiro and Argentina's Liga Profissional de Futebol to their lineup. So basically a month ago or two months ago, I paid 89 bucks or something like that to subscribe to Fanatis' full package to get the Argentinian League for the next year. And a month later, a service I already subscribed to announces that they now have the Argentinian League as well as the Brasileiro. And they're still only, you know, nine bucks a month or whatever they are. And I'm like, yeah, great. But it is what it is. You win some, you lose some in the streaming wars. And um, so Paramount Plus will have English language coverage of next season's Brasileiro and this upcoming, you can call it next season as well as Argentine uh, Superliga. So it is a very good... um, it's a very good acquisition for CBS uh, through their streaming service, Paramount+. Plus. Uh, we'll see what kind of audience there is for Brazilian football in English. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm psyched about it. I know most that follow Brazilian football prefer to watch it in Portuguese. Uh, and that will still be available on Fanatis. Uh, as it was this year, and they did a fantastic job with the, with the. Tel- uh, I mean, the Brazilian league shoots the matches as well as any league. I'm willing to say better than mo- than the 99% of leagues out there. I think maybe the German league is is right there with them. Those are probably the two best shot in terms of cameras, and angles, and production value of any football league on television anywhere in the world. Okay, so hats off to. Uh, to the Brasileiro, hats off to their their media television partners who put together these packages, and of course, hats off now to CBS, Viacom, and Paramount Plus, um, all the same property. But hats off to them for acquiring these services. So now, a little more details uh, as as the service grows, it's now going to offer. And not, this is not just about Brazilian League, but but listeners of this show uh, follow all kinds of football, I believe. And it, you'll now be able to catch all CONCACAF Nations League action here on Paramount+, Plus, as well as the United States men's national team and the Mexican national team and the CONCACAF Women's World Cup qualifying tournament as well, featuring the United States, the four-time back-to-and back-to-back World Cup champions. Paramount Plus will expand on the roster that already includes the National Women's Soccer League here in the United States, the NWSL, the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, and coming soon, UEFA Conference League. And in total, more than 200 CONCACAF matches will be added, starting with the Nations League Finals this June, which will feature Honduras versus the United States and Mexico versus Costa Rica in the semifinals. And the coverage will also include forty all 41 national teams from North and Central America as well as the Caribbean region. In addition to international matches, hundreds of South American football matches now being added to Paramount+. Plus, and this is coming straight from them. Um, the rights to Liga de Futbol, the top Argentine league, and um, it includes iconic clubs such as Boca Juniors, River Plate, as well as the Campeonato Brasileiro Serie A, known better to you and I as the Brasileiro, which includes, as you know, Flamengo Internacional, São Paulo, Palmeiras, uh, Corinthians, Santos, you name it. Okay, those two leagues 
are going to provide over 600 matches in this service, in addition to the leagues added to the streaming platform, Paramount Plus has also announced the following soccer documentaries coming to the platform. This is exciting. The first one, Sir Alex Ferguson, Never Give In, the story of the of the legendary manager of Manchester United and one of the most memorable figures in European football, as well as stories from the beautiful game and a, an original soccer doc- documentary series Produced by Pete Radovich, an award-winning coordinating producer of CBS Sports' UEFA coverage, Paramount Plus will release several soccer documentaries every year starting later this year, 2021. And let me tell you something that's a little off of tonight's topic, but this is big news. And I do believe CBS and Paramount Plus are going to become big players in the football space Going forward, now they've lost virtually all of their college uh, football programming in the fall. That opens some beautiful television windows on Saturday afternoon. Sundays belong to the NFL. CBS belong the NFL and CBS are tied at the hip, so that's not going to be. But Saturday, there's an opening there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if CBS and Paramount Plus can get access? To La Liga, the Spanish league, in addition. And I do believe, and you know, the, the rights are not up yet for another season or so. But I know CBS and Paramount Plus, or through Paramount Plus, I should say, they are bidding for the rights to the Italian Serie A for next season. Can you imagine? La Derby de la Madonina, Inter versus Milan on CBS on a Saturday afternoon at 2.45 Eastern time. Over the air on CBS or Juventus versus Inter, Juventus, Milan, or if they ever get the Spanish League. Come on, Real Madrid, Barcelona on a Saturday afternoon at 2.45 in the afternoon on CBS. Can you imagine the television number that a match like that could do? I'm very, very hopeful and I've got my fingers crossed for Paramount Plus to continue to push into the football market and to continue to showcase the world's greatest game. And maybe someday they can snag those World Cup rights away from Fox Sports because not many of us are happy with Fox Sports, let's be honest. And I think with the with the crew that CBS has put together for the Champions League, I mean, they are second to none. Kate Abdo, the best host in the game. There is nobody better. Uh, and her analysts, you know, Roberto Martinez, uh, Jamie Carragher, uh, Mika Richards, and, and cl- plus uh, a number of other well-noted analysts. Plus, you got field field sideline reporters like Peter Schmeichel, the former great goalkeeper. There's just so much talent at CBS. Jimmy Conrad has a great show on CBS All Act on uh, CBS Sportsnet as well on on Champions League days. There's a great podcast called Que Golazo, which is also produced by CBS, all football related. Okay, soccer for for those that you that prefer that term, and um, oh, I can't wait to see what this network's going to put together in the coming years. All right, that is it for news, and we're going to take a short break, and um, we're going to congratulate the champions of South America one more time in the next segment. All right, that is Palmeiras, the champions of the Copa Libertadores. The customary con- congratulation is right up against this break, and then on the other side, what I'm going to play for you is a little montage of the final moments of the Brasileiro season.
2020 uh, commentator, um, basically commentating two matches at the same time. I took the video from YouTube, courtesy of Globo in Brazil, their na- their network that covers the league. Okay, it's a side by side picture in picture with both matches going on. The commentator kind of talking about both matches at the same time, and he is going to narrate the final moments of the season. You don't need to understand Portuguese to understand. You understand what goal means. You understand what a long drawn out whistle after the commentator says goal probably means you understand what the word var means it will all what happened so much drama in the final seconds of this season this was fantastic i'm a week later i am still i am still psyched about this league and the way this season ended and the surprises it rolled out it, none, none of this went according to the script and that's what makes this the greatest game in the world and this is one of my favorite leagues in the world, the Brasileiro. All right, here's a short little break. And on the other side, we got a little montage for you. This is Parking the Bus episode 27. Follow the show on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. Parking the Bus podcast and the PTB media network congratulate Palmeiras on winning the 2020 Copa Libertadores. Vai 
decidiu o posicionamento do Edenilson Luiz. É isso, termina no Morumbi! Termina no Morumbi! Agora todo mundo olhando ali para a transmissão do jogo de Porto Alegre. A expressão dos jogadores do Flamengo, São Paulo vence, garante o quarto lugar. Mostra toda a força de um gigante do futebol brasileiro. Numa... Estamos por conta da decisão do VAR. O VAR em Porto Alegre está analisando. Central do apito, já disse o Paulo César. O Edenilson estava um pouco à frente. Rodrigo D'Alonso Ferreira. Confirma o impedimento. Confirma o impedimento. Ele está dando mais um minuto. Fez um gesto de um ali para o Cássio. ataque do campeonato, é o último ataque da disputa do título, o desespero dos jogadores do Flamengo, Fabio... a bola volta e espirra, Lucas bateu pra fora do gol o Brasil inteiro ligado o Lucas teve a chance na finalização o campeonato termina de uma forma impressionante como há muitos anos desde 2011 não víamos Apita Wilton Pereira Sampaio Se faz uma dinastia Bicampeão estadual Da Supercopa do Brasil Da Recopa Sul-Americana Da Libertadores E agora Bicampeão brasileiro And welcome back to episode 27 Parking the Bus Podcast. I'm your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And now what I'm going to attempt to do, this is going to be, this could be very difficult. I have never attempted what I'm about to do here. So what I'm going to do, because this was round 38 and all of the matches were being played concurrently, simultaneously at the same time, I'm going to try in chronological order to give you what happened in every match, obviously with focus in the two key matches. The two key matches, of course, are Internacional at home against Corinthians and Flamengo on the road at São Paulo because it was through one of these two matches that a champion was going to be crowned. And if you understand Portuguese, you heard there in that soundbite, um, you know now, if you didn't know before, who won the league and how it came to be. But I'm going to run it down for you in English now. All right. So first, I'm going to run down the fixture list for Thursday, February the 25th. Again, round 38, Brasileiro. And you have Atlético Paranaense hosting Sport Recife. Atlético Goianense hosting Coritiba. Atlético Mineiro hosting the South American champions, Palmeiras. And then you have Bahia hosting the other South American finalist, the Copa Libertadores finalist, Santos. And you have Red Bull Bragantino hosting Grêmio Porto Alegre. Sierra is at home to Botafogo, already relegated Botafogo. Fluminense hoping to get into the top four and earn a spot in the group stage of next year's Champions, excuse me, South American Copa Libertadores. I almost called it the Champions League. It's the Copa Libertadores in South America. But Fluminense trying 
to get the result to push themselves into that top four. They would need some help from their arch rival Flamengo, though, if they were to do it. And like we said, at the Beta Rio, it is Internacional hosting Corinthians. And then at the Morambi in Sao Paulo, it is Sao Paulo hosting Flamengo. And lastly, Vasco da Gama is at home to Goiás. All right. So we're going to head into this, and I am going to attempt this. I have three different sets of notes here. Um, I have one screen with with the minute-by-minute of Inter Porto Alegre versus Corinthians. I have another screen with Flamengo and Sao Paulo, and then I got on paper notes of all the other matches. All right, so we'll start with the lineups, and I'm going to start with the lineups in Porto Alegre at the Estadio Beira Rio, the Beira Rio Stadium, and we have we have Internacional, like we said, hosting Corinthians. Let's go to the lineups in this match first, starting with Corinthians, who are managed by Wagner Mancini, and in goal he has the veteran Cassio. He's playing a four-two-three-one, four across the back. Bruno Mendes. Uh, Jamerson, Gilles, and Fabio Santos are the four in the back. The double pivot of Ramiro and Victor Cantillo uh, have three attacking mids in front of them. Ronnie on the right, Juan Caceres in the center, and Romulo Otero as the left uh, attacking mid with the striker Joe playing alone in the front. And... Inter managed by former Flamengo manager Abel Braga, who left Flamengo last year in in sort of on bad terms, and he opened the door for JJ for Jorge Jesus to come in and basically conquer the continent um, in in Abel Braga's wake, and uh, or I should say leaving Abel Abel Braga in his wake. But he is looking to take the title on this night. He's looking to beat his old club. And Internacional are trying to be champions of Brazil for the first time in 41 years. That's right. The Colorado have been 41 years without winning the Brazilian championship. They're playing a 4-1-4-1 formation. They got Marcelo Lomba in goal. Four across the back, as we said. Eitor is the right back. Lucas Ribeiro and Victor Cuesta are the central defenders with Moisés playing as the left back. Rodrigo Dourado is the holding midfielder with four attacking mids in front of him. Caillou on the right. Uh, Ed Nielsen in the center along with Bruno Prachedes and Patrick on the left. And Yuri Alberto is the striker. U.S. international uh Johnny is on the bench for this one. He's he's a midfielder, and he is on the bench for Abel Braga in this one. A uh, young 19-year-old American, well, Brazilian-American who has, at least for now, opted to play for the United States, and he is on the bench for Inter. So those are the lineups there. Let's go to the lineups at the Morambi in Sao Paulo, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. Let me look at that one more time, make sure. That I am, in fact, pronouncing that correctly. It is, yeah, the Murambi in Sao Paulo. And we have the lineups starting with Sao Paulo, who are fighting for four. They need they need to get a result to clinch fourth place and keep Fluminense out of the automatic group stage Copa Libertadores spots. 
and they're playing a 3-4-3 for this one. In goal, Thiago Volpi is the goalkeeper. The three in the back, Diego, Robert Arboleda, and Bruno Alves. Four midfielders in front of them, Luan Santos and longtime Brazil international, former captain Dani Alves. No, he's not playing as a wingback anymore. He plays as a central midfielder in this in this Sao Paulo side. He's got Wellington to down the left and Igor Vinicius down the right. And then three in attack. Luciano Neves on the right. Pablo on the left and Che Che in the center. As they are managed according to this by Hernan Crespo, which this is wrong because Hernan Crespo coaches... Defensa e Justicia. Interesting little error here by by FOTMOB. And you actually, you know what? I stand corrected. Hernan Crespo is the new manager of Sao Paulo, but he did not manage in this match, okay? Um, he, he did step down from Defensa e Justicia, and within a week he signed with Sao Paulo. But in this match, it was the outgoing Fernando Denige managing. Um, Actually, Fernando Denise, excuse me, was was sacked on February the 1st after a run of poor results. We talked about the descent of Sao Paulo from leaders to to um, fourth place, essentially. And um, so we have a caretaker manager in, in charge of Sao Paulo here. And suddenly his name is not available to me. But those are the 11 that was put out to take on Rogério Seni's. Flamingo, that's right, Rogério Sini, the former Sao Paulo goalkeeper, lifelong goalkeeper, played his entire career at the Morambi for the Tricolor, and now he is managing the visiting side. That's because he replaced Dominic Torrent in just enough time to put Flamingo in this situation, and he would come out with a standard 4-4-2, Hugo Nugueira is the goalkeeper. Four in the back, of course. The Chilean international Maurizio Isla on the right. Rodrigo Caio and Gustavo Enrique are the pairing selected for the central defense. Of course, that's because recently Rogério Seni had been using William Aron as a central defender. But William Aron was injured, not in training, but after training in the shower. And I believe got a vicious cut on his foot and was deemed unfit to play. Uh, so he was left, he was on the bench if needed, but was unlikely to be used. And um, a Brazilian friend of mine <laughs> that I work with did tell me that Gustavo Henrique is the right man for uh, for this match because he had said, and actually he was speaking about the prior match, not this one. He was speaking to me about the Internacional match that preceded this one in which Flamengo won 2-1. to one. He, he said that Gustavo Henrique is a very good defender of balls in the air and Internacional loves to score in uh, out of the air with headers in the whipped into the box. And that was what Rogério Ceni went with and he stuck with it for this lineup in the left back, of course, is the ever-experienced world traveler, former, you know, uh, Spanish League champion, Euro UEFA Champions League finalist, Europa League winner on a couple of occasions, Premier League player for Chelsea as well. 
He represented both Chelsea and and Atletico Madrid in his career, in his illustrious career. Now he's at Flamengo. It is Felipe Luiz, longtime Brazil international as well. In the midfield, Gerson and Diego are the two in the center to anchor the midfield with Everton Ribeiro to the right and the Uruguayan international Georgian de Hascaeta to his to their left. And up front, the strike tandem of Bruno Henrique and Gabigol. Gabriel Barboza. All right. So the both matches kick off at what was precisely 7.30 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States and 9.30 p.m. in Brazil, uh, Rio time at least. And let's move along and see where we're going now as the match starts off a little bit slow as both teams are starting to feel each other out. Flamengo know they are champions with a win regardless of whatever happens. Inter need to win and and need help from Sao Paulo to ensure that Flamengo do not win and Inter will be champion with a win and Flamengo draw or defeat. Plus, there's other places on the line, including including Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana spots, and also a relegation battle that was pretty much all but but done going into this final night in the second minute, and a foul is called against Diego, and he fouls his for his Brazil national team teammate or former Brazil national team teammate Danny Alves, and. Nothing comes of it there in the second minute. Meanwhile, in at the Beta Rio in Porto Alegre, we have kickoff, and let's go to that kickoff for a moment. It's a fourth-minute attempt by Ramiro, but it does not trouble Internacional, and... We move forward, and it is in the fourth minute that we get the first update on the night. We got the first goal of the final day in the fourth minute, and it is Atletico Goianense's Shiku making it 1-0 at Cor- uh, against Coritiba, excuse me. And Atletico Goianense go up 1-0, and they are the first to score on this decision night. Um, on this decision night, and. Four minutes later, we'd have another goal. It would be Nikon of Atlético Paranaense. And they go up 1-0 on Sport Recife in the eighth minute. Meanwhile, back at the Beta Rio, not much going on here, but a, a couple of fouls. Um, a foul called against Yuri Alberto as well as Caio Vidal, both of Internacional, while... In São Paulo, we have fouls also being called. One against Everton Ribeiro. Another one called against Luciano of São Paulo, who brings down Felipe Luiz. And the first attempt of that match comes in the 11th minute, and it's Everton Ribeiro of Flamengo with a left-footed shot from outside the box, blocked by Dani Alves. He had been set up by Felipe Luiz. In the 14th minute at the Beta Rio, uh, Caio Vidal tries a through ball to Yuri Alberto, but the Internacional man is called for offside. 
In the 15th, however, we have an update, and it is in Bahia. It is Bahia's Rossi scoring the goal of the weekend, no question. A sidewinder volley, and he makes it 1-0 in Salvador for Bahia. Bahia 1, Santos 0, 15th minute. Also in the 15th minute, we get another update, and now it is Vasco da Gama. Going ahead, 1-0. Vasco da Gama have an interesting uh, plight in this final night of the season. They are fourth from bottom, which means they are in the last relegation spot. They needed to win, and they needed to overcome a goal difference of 12. So all but relegated for Vasco da Gama. But they get off to a good start. 15th minute, as we said. And it was the Argentine Herman Cano with a goal one Nil to Vasco over Goyas. In the 18th minute, it keeps on coming. And it is this time Pedrinho who puts Sierra ahead 1-0 over Botafogo. So 18 minutes in and we've got five goals already across the 10 matches. But none in the two that we are spending you know, the most time on. We do have an 18th minute attempt blocked though. And it is a Gabi goal with a left-footed shot from outside the box. But it was blocked. He was set up by Diego. In the Beta Hill, it is Hamidu with the free kick in the 18th. But it does not trouble uh, Casio in the Corinthians goal at all. 20th minute, and we have a handball called against Homolu Otero of Corinthians at the Beta Rio. But still, neither team really threatening a yellow card, the first one, comes out in the 21st minute, and it goes to Corinthians' Victor Cantillo, and he has shown the yellow card for a bad foul on Caio Vidal. And we move forward, and we're going now to the Maracanã. It's the 21st minute there, and it is Fredge drawing first blood for Fluminense, and Rio's Tricolor are now looking at fourth place. They go ahead 1-0. And they're now they're now obviously going to take the lead and put their attention on their rivals playing in Sao Paulo. Hoping to get a favor from their eternal rival. So a very, very strange situation to be in if you're a Fluminense supporter. Watching your rivals, you know, out of one corner of your eye, hoping that they can win and give you an assist. 26th minute, we have another goal. And this time it is Goyas going level in Ryu. It is Fernandão and Goyas 1, Vasco da Gama 1. And that 12-goal difference that Vasco needs to make up becomes more and more improbable now, 10 minutes after they found the back of the net. In the 26th minute at the Beta Hiu, it's a corner kick for Corinthians that was conceded by Lucas Ribeiro. But uh, it goes, it's dealt with by the Internacional backline, cleared away, and danger is averted for now for the Colorado. For the match in Sao Paulo in the 28th, there we have another opportunity. And it actually is off of another free kick. And it's the 30th minute to be exact. It is Robert Arboleda taken down. The The defender is taken down. The free kick is tr- is attempted to be dropped into the area. 
but it is cleared away by, you guessed it, Gustavo Henrique. As he wins the ball in the air, that is what he does well, and he's even fouled by the striker, Cheche, on the play. First yellow card of the match comes out right there and then as the referee gives the yellow card to Cheche for the bad foul. 32nd minute, and it is the Uruguayan, the Hascaeta, right-footed shot from outside the box for Flamengo, but blocked by the Sao Paulo back line. And then in the 33rd minute, we thought we had the first situation. We're at the Beta Hue, of course, and all, all signs point to a penalty. The penalty is called, and as <laughs> what's funny, and I love the way that these these penalties are dis- disputed, if you will. Um, the entire team, both teams surrounding the referee, ne- <laughs> one team disagreeing with with the penalty, the other talking the referee not into changing his mind. Eventually, the referee at the beta he will go to the monitor. He will look at it on the VAR, and this was an interesting play because what happened here was it was a, a ball that was slid across, I believe from Yuri Alberto, and the ball, then the defender from Corinthians, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. I should have written that down, but he is trying to make a sliding block, if you will, but the cross comes and it hits him on his arm, but... What I believe was was decided, of course, at this time, my five-year-old was asleep, so I'm watching this with no volume. And um, so I'm just watching and guessing as to what what could overturn this call. And what it appeared to be was because the defender was sliding as he was going to ground, obviously he's allowed to put his arm down to support his body, and that support arm was the one that made contact with the ball. The VAR apparently overrules the decision that is not handling the ball, and there is no penalty kick. But that's not the first time. That is not the last time, I should say, that uh, we're going to go to the VAR at the Beta Hue in Porto Alegre tonight. Uh, the VAR is going to come up yet again. And in the 40th minute now, a much needed substitution is we got. An injury there at, for Internacional. Rodrigo Dorado is injured and he is forced to be substituted. Abel Braga sends on Rodrigo Lindoso to take his place. Meanwhile, at the. Meanwhile, it is Atletico Goianes doubling their lead through Wellington Ratu. And they're now 2 0 ahead of Curitiba. And we'll fast forward here to the 45th plus three. And it is an own goal in that very same match as Guillermo sends an own goal into his, or I should say, he, Guillermo Soto has an own goal into his own goal, obviously, as it is an own goal. And Atletico Goianes' lead extends to 3-0 now over Curitiba. And that match heads to halftime but it's not quite halftime yet because they're cross their their interstate rival Goyas 
will double their lead through Ferdinandão. Well, I shouldn't say will double their lead. They will take the lead as Ferdinandão will double his tally and Goyas take the lead away at Vasco da Gama. And just before halftime now at the Morambi. And we have a key moment in the match as... After squandering a few opportunities by way of Gabigol and Bruno Henrique at the edge of their own penalty area, Everton Hibedo is called for a foul against Che Che, and that means a dangerous direct kick for Sao Paulo right on the edge of the area, as I said, straight in front of the goal. This is an interesting one. This is straight in front. There is literally no angle. The uh, the ball is placed essentially at the top of the half circle. Dead center. And Ugu does a very poor job of setting up his wall. He set it up as if there was an angle. He didn't seem to know where to stand. He didn't know where to put his wall. And his left post left wide open. Up steps Luciano Neves for Sao Paulo. And he makes a no mistake from the direct kick. A left Footed shot to the bottom right corner. And we have our first goal in one of the two key championship matches. But it is Sao Paulo. Not Flamengo. It is Sao Paulo taking the lead. And at that at that very moment, the, the TV goes to a split screen. And you see the reaction of the Internacional bench up in the stands. Their substitutes. As they're getting word and they're looking on their phones and they're seeing that Sao Paulo have gone ahead. It is a huge oxygen bubble for Internacional knowing that if that holds, now all they have to do is win. Sao Paulo take the lead into halftime. And it's also halftime at the Beira Rio. It is halftime Everywhere in the Brasileiro. And it is halftime here on the Park in the Bus podcast. Going to take a quick little break and be right back to run down the second half action in all 10 matches as best I can. Um, this is the Park in the Bus podcast. It's episode 27, all about the Brasileiro. Decision night, the last night of the season. And when we come back, we crown a champion. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast. Autorizada a cobrança, Daniel Alves, Luciano, Luciano! And welcome back to episode 27, Parking the Bus. And I failed to mention in that last segment that just moments, literally moments, before Sao Paulo took the lead at the Morambi, at the Beta Rio, Internacional thought they had taken the lead. Yeah, that was through Yuri Alberto, 45th minute. And they he had walked in and had chipped the goalkeeper, Cassio, nicely. However... Once again, after a VAR review, he was ruled to be offside by about a toenail. It was a clear offside, but they can't get much closer without being clear. Um, and again, uh, Internacional felt the wind coming out of their sails as they thought they had taken the lead. 
But then seconds later, they learned that Sao Paulo had, had in fact scored and that now all they needed to do was win the match. And we're going to pick up from there to start the second half. No substitutions at the Morambi. No, excuse me. No substitutions at the Beta Hill in, in Porto Alegre for Inter and Corinthians. At the Morambi, no substitutions either. And what you heard at the top there was the call for Luciano Neves' goal at the end of the first half for Sao Paulo. And now, first minute of the second half, 46th minute, it is Gabi goal with the best opportunity of the match. So far, he gets a left-footed shot from the center of the box. But he puts it just a little bit too high after getting on the end of a cross from Felipe Luiz. 47th minute and another attempt for Flamengo. This time it's Bruno Henrique with the header from the center of the box. But he misses left after he gets on the end of a cross from Georgian Darascaeta. And it, it comes following a corner that had been conceded by Wellington. At the Beta Hill, we're in the 50th minute. Nothing to talk about there yet. But we do have a goal in Rio. And it is Vasco da Gama. And it is Ricardo Graça making it 2-2. Two to two. And Vasco pull level again as they are playing for pride now. But still the 50th minute. And now back at the Morambi in Sao Paulo. Have a listen. Arrascaeta faz o levantamento. O toque de cabeça do Bruno Henrique. And you know what's going to be best about having Paramount Plus covering the Brasileirão next season is that moments like that I can bring to you with English language commentary. And I do apologize for everyone who does not understand Portuguese, but you understand the word goal, right? Because that was a goal. That was the equalizer, ladies and gentlemen. Off a corner from the Hascaeta, he finds guess who? We've talked about him. We've talked about his his ability in the air. Yes, Gustavo Enrique, who is at the far post, wins the header, heads it back across goal, right onto uh, the head of his teammate Bruno Enrique. No relation. And Bruno Enrique, last year's superstar, pushes the ball past uh, Volpe and into the goal. 1-1. We are level. At the Morambi. And this result is enough. Right now. To to clinch the title for Flamengo. Because Internacional are still, are still level. They're not winning. But as much as this may make the Internacional fans. And at least their substitutes and their coaches nervous. The truth is it changes absolutely nothing for Internacional. Because if Flamengo draw and Internacional win, Internacional will still be the champions. But Flamengo do pull level in the 50th minute. Meanwhile, uh, we have an opportunity in the 53rd for Corinthians. 
as a corner is conceded by Rodrigo Lindoso. But again, the opportunity goes squandered. But while we're still in the 53rd, it is Red Bull Bragancinu pulling ahead at home against Grêmio. And it is Claudinho, one of the revelations of the season this year in the Brasileirão. Claudinho scores his league, or he puts himself, I should say, joint atop the league leaders in goals with São Paulo's Luciano, who had just scored at the end of the first half. They've both got 18 goals now with a little over a half hour to play in the season. The Golden Boot Race is all knotted up at 18. Claudinho of Red Bull Bragantino, one of the stars and one of the big revelations this season. And I'm interested to see if that Red Bull brand moves him along to Salzburg or Leipzig at some point in the very near future. Maybe some New York fans are hoping he heads for Harrison, New Jersey. We'll see. But what a season he had here. And it is 1-0 to Red Bull Bragancino over Gremio Porto Alegre at the Red Bull Arena there in uh, in Braganza Paulista. Meanwhile, four minutes later, from the penalty spot, it is Mateus equalizing for Botafogo at Sierra. And 1-1 there between Botafogo, last place Botafogo, and Sierra. 53rd minute as well in Sao Paulo as we go back to the Morambi. And it is Wellington taking a yellow card for a foul against uh, the Chilean wingback Mauricio Isla. Meanwhile, at the Beira Rio in in Rio Grande do in the state of Rio Grande do Sul, city of Porto Alegre, we got a lot of fouls, but we have our an attempt blocked in the 54th. It's Yuri Alberto already having one goal called back due to VAR. He has a left-footed shot from very close range, but it is blocked after he gets on the end of a ball from Patrick. Moving forward, and we are at now the. 63rd minute and the best chance of the match so far aside from of course the goal called back for Internacional Caio Vidal hits the left post with a right footed shot from outside the box he was set up by Prashedis and he would put it just wide of Cassius hand or I should say just out of reach of Cassius right hand but off of the post but back at the Morambi, have a listen. Six percent, Gabigol com 26. E o Rascaeta com 8. Saiu jogando errado o Manolo. Bola pro Pablo, olha a chance, bateu. Gol do São Paulo. And so I'm sure you understood the word goal. And I'm sure you understood São Paulo. That came right after it. And here's how it happened. The ball, it's its a 
Flamengo play a short goal kick, and then it's played back to the feet of Ugu, the goalkeeper, and he makes a real mess of it as he tries to force it to one of his teammates here, and he underhits it, and it lands right on the chest of Danny Alves. Danny Alves, the experienced uh, player that he is, quickly picks up his head, and before that ball has even hit the ground off of his chest, he puts a perfectly weighted pass right on to the run of Pablo and Pablo makes no mistake about it, and he even beats Ugo between the wickets, puts it right through his legs, and into the goal. São Paulo back ahead. Jubilation <laughs> at the other end of the country, essentially, in Rio Grande do Sul, in, in Porto Alegre, where uh, the international players are receiving word, or the, the subs in the bench receives word, which clearly their reaction gives word to the players on the pitch that São Paulo have once again gone ahead and Internacional are one goal away perhaps from taking this title. And then in the 65th, we get a substitution as Rogério Sini sends on one of his unsung heroes this season. I mean, I can't say enough about this guy. He he scored some real important goals at a time when this team was riddled with injuries, when, when a number of players were dealing with COVID-19. It's Pedro coming on for a Gabi goal. Looks like Gabi goal had 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 all that he, he had, that he could take. Looks like that tank is pretty empty at this point. It's been a long season, and these seasons now, last season, this season, and next season, all seem to roll into one big season. Gabi goal takes a seat and immediately signals for someone to hand him his phone. And this is I, this was all caught on on the television on the camera. As Gabi Gol goes to his phone, and you can tell he quickly brings up the intermatch as if he's become disinterested in this one. And he, you can see he starts sitting with William Aron and um, another teammate there as they're gathering around that phone, watching, uh, watching what's going on at the Beta Hill, even though they are in the midst of their own match. And this isn't a good sign if you're Flamengo because. The, it, it's in Flamingo's hands. It doesn't matter what's going on at the Beta Hill. If you can get your focus on and stop making mistakes, you know, in dangerous areas, this this match could, ha, you know, is is still at hand. You got 25 minutes to go, but they you could see you could see that the Flamengo team was almost more interested in what was going on in the other match. But you know, conversely, um, you can also see at the Beta Hill that with every Passing minute, uh, Internacional become more concerned or at least find it hard to concentrate on what they're doing. And they're having trouble um, breaking down a very, very, a very stubborn defense from Corinthians who are packed in well, who are closing down passing lanes and making it difficult for the Colorado to pick up that much needed a goal 63rd minute now and oh well we were in the 65th but elsewhere in the 63rd we have two more uh updates as Curitiba pull one back through Ricardo Oliveira it's 3-1 now for Atlético Goianiense and at the Maracanã it's 2-0 now to flu the tricolor get a goal from Mateus Farage the lead is doubled for for Fluminense against Fortaleza. Meanwhile, a yellow card in the 67th goes to Fabio Santos of Corinthians for a bad foul. 
And in the 69th, we get a double substitution for Inter as Abel Braga wastes no more time in bringing on his top scorer, a man who who started the season so well but has not really meshed well with the arrival of Abel Braga despite the team's success. But it is Thiago Gallardo coming on for Yuri Ribeiro and also Abel Hernandez replacing Bruno Prachedes. Meanwhile, at the Morambi, we have another attempt. It's the 69th minute, and it is Bruno Enrique with the header from the center of the box. Close, but misses right on the end of a Mauricio Isla cross that could have very well put Flamengo level once again. Moving forward, and we get a substitution in the 72nd minute. As before that, actually, we get a double substitution in the 71st in Porto Alegre as Corinthians send on Leo Natel to replace Romulo Otero, and Mateus Vital replaces Ronnie. And then a double substitution at the Morombi for. Flamengo Rogerio Seni sends on Mateo Zinho for for Mauricio Sala Isla, excuse me, not Mauricio. Mauricio Salas was a player 20 years ago. Mauricio Isla <laughs> um, is replaced by Mateo Zinho and the highly touted João Gomes comes on for the veteran and the the captain Diego Rivas Ribas. 76th, and we get a yellow card to Everton Hibeiru as he commits a foul against Danny Alves. 75th, um, at the, in this, I should say in the 75th at the Beta Hill, another double substitution. Again, it's Corinthians, and it is Xavier coming on for Hamiru and Guillermo Camacho replacing Victor Cantillo. And also Internacional get in on it with two substitutes of their own in the 78th. It is Lucas Mazzetti replacing Eitor and Peglo replacing Caillou. Meanwhile, we get an update and we get a goal in one of the other matches. 79th minute. And it is Jair breaking the deadlock for Atletico Mineiro. 1-0 over Palmeiras. And Atletico Mineiro looking to sew up a a good position for themselves as Jorge Sampioli, the manager, is on his way out. And they look to send him off with a victory. That was in the 79th, 81st minute. And actually, excuse me, 86th minute. And we get another update, and it is Atletico Paranaense. They go up 2-0 against, against Sport Hesif as they get a goal from Leo uh, Leo Chittadoni. And it is 2-0 to Atletico Paranaense. And back in these matches, we get another double substitution at the Morambi. This time it is São Paulo. And they send on Hernanes for Luan Santos. And Gabriel Sara replaces Wellington. Still the 86th, now at the Beta Rio, and it is Thiago Gajardo with an opportunity. He gets on the end of a cross from Moisej, and he gets a header open in the center of the box. It's close, but he misses just to the right, that close to putting 
Internacional on the winner's podium. But it wasn't meant to be at that moment. And will it be meant to be is the question as the clock continues to tick as the Sao Paulo and and Flamingo players begin to lose all interest in this match. Another substitution, Igor Gomes replaces Luciano Neves. That means if Thiago Gallardo can find a goal in the final second, he can win the golden boot. Uh, I'm sorry, he can pull level with, I should I should reiterate, uh, Thiago Gallardo can pull level with Luciano Neves and with Claudinho if he can get a goal here. He's one behind them. Um, we're in the final minutes now, and like we said, uh, Bruno Henrique goes into the referee's uh, book for a yellow card in the 88th, as Flamengo look much more interested on what's going on at the Beta Rio now, and as was I, as I had now made the switch at this point, um, I had I had Flamengo on my TV for much of the night, but by this point, I now had Internacional and Corinthians on the TV and Flamengo on my phone, mostly just to see the reactions, whichever way it went uh, for the Flamengo players. But in the 89th minute, we get another one here, and it is Atlético Mineiro again. Ugalu double their lead on a goal from Eduardo Sasha, 89th minute, 90 plus 2. Ricardo Grassa will double his tally, and he seals the last three points for the already relegated Vasco da Gama side. They do go down with the victory. They go down in honor, if you will. 90 plus 2 still, and Bahia make it 2-0, and they will finish their season with a win at home to Santos. 90 plus 4. And it is Saulo Mineiro scores late to sew up all three points for Sierra. Sierra going to win in this final day. It is all coming to an end as the final whistles blow all over the league. Interestingly enough, due to all of the all of the stops for VAR and all of the, the substitutions and injuries, very fitting that Internacional versus Corinthians is the last match going. Every other match has completed. Every other team now has completed their season. The Flamengo players are are gathering around William Aron's phone watching this as they're holding off, hoping to celebrate despite losing. The Sao Paulo players are celebrating uh, clinching fourth place and heading to the Copa Libertadores group stages. As the clock continues to tick and tick and tick and tick. And 90 plus 6. It looks like it's going to be the one. It looks like it's finally time. Victor Cuesta puts a through ball across. Ed Nielsen gets on the end of it. Pushes it past Casio for a goal. The bench erupts. Internacional's full bench, Inter Porto Alegre's bench, rushes the field. You heard the call earlier in the very first segment. And (laughs) in the montage, I should say, you heard it. They were rushing the field. And then the assistant referee's flag goes up for offside. And what was a moment I'll never forget on television. They had the overhead shot of the Inter... Fan the inter bench uh, invading the pitch essentially to celebrate the title. The flag goes up. The referee's whistle blows. It's a long whistle, 
And literally with the overhead view, you see that entire bench bang a hard right turn. And they surround the referee's assistant. And all you can see is red jerseys everywhere and one speck of yellow jersey, which is the assistant referee, holding his flag bravely and strongly straight up in the air, pointing for offside. The VAR would confirm the referee assistant's decision and it was in fact offside by the slightest of margins the slightest of margins inter were that close but they would have one more opportunity off of a corner even the goalkeeper now is in the box everybody in the box and the ball finds lucas Ribeiro, who has a left footed shot from the center of the box but he skies it over casio over the goal and that would be the last that Internacional would touch of the ball. Ensuing goal kick put into play. And the referee blows his whistle three times for full-time heartbreak for Internacional. Jubilation for the Nassau. Jubilation for the Mingo. Jubilation for the Hubu Negrush as it is Flamingo. Repeating as champion back-to-back Brasileiro champions. Congratulations, of course, to the Nassau, to all of the Hubu Negro fan base, to all of the Flamenguistas all around the world. The largest pocket of listeners to this podcast is... From the feedback, I've gotten a number of Flamenguistas and Flamengo Nation. You are once again the champions of Brazil. Be campeão, as they say, um, consecutively, back-to-back, eighth title in club history. I should say eighth Brazilian title, Brazilian league title um, in club history. Numerous, numerous other titles as well. So... In all, with all the turmoil and all the topsy turvy of the season for Flamengo, they managed to be the the Rio de Janeiro champion, the Brazilian Super Cup champion, the South American Recopa champions, and now Brasileirão back to back champions. And honestly, after everything they went through this season, they are deserving champions. It doesn't matter that they only led for the last two rounds of the season. They never gave up. They showed that a championship, even when it is accelerated, is a marathon and not a sprint. And at the end, they were the ones to cross the finish line in first place. Let's take a look now at the standings. Heartbreak, I have to say, even as a Flamingista myself, um... I felt for Inter watching that unfold. They were so close. But at the end of the day, Inter have nobody to blame but themselves winning only one match in their last five. And actually, I'll go back a little further. And yeah, winning only one match of their last five. Before that, they had won an unprecedented, a really impressive Wow, they had won They had won nine straight before these last five matches. Nine straight wins, the longest streak of anybody this season in the Brasileiro. 
and including in that in those nine wins was a 5-1 victory away to Sao Paulo a 2-1 victory against their their arch rival their hated arch rival Grêmio and then it all went for naught as they they drew with Atlético Paranaense in a surprise decision on the road then followed that up by losing at home to Spart Recife Got back on track with the win over Vasco da Gama, but then lost to Flamengo and lost the lead and then could not win on the final night when Flamengo had left it there for them to take, but they just couldn't do it. You had two teams that could be champion on this final night, and neither one of them were able to win. So here is how the Serie A Brasileiro finished for 2020 after all 38 rounds played. Flamengo are your champions once again, 71 points. Internacional second with 70 points. Atlético Mineiro are third with 68 points, only three points out away from the title. This was such a close race. I can't stress that enough. If this were a European league, all of the media around the world would be just drooling at how close this race was all the way to the end and how many teams realistically had a fighting shot at the title. First and first and fifth are separated only by seven points. In some leagues, that is the difference between first and second. So, fourth place, as we said, is Sao Paulo with this victory. They have 66 points. Fifth place, Fluminense with 64 points. They're going to have to wait and see who wins the Copa do Brasil. Uh, if... Palmeiras win the Copa do Brasil because they have already qualified for the group stage of the Copa Libertadores, then that spot would open up for the fifth place finisher, which would be Fluminense. If not, Fluminense, if Grêmio win the, the Copa do Brasil, then Grêmio will take the spot in the group stage and Fluminense will have to play in the preliminary rounds. But for now, it's Fluminense in fifth. Grêmio are sixth with 59 points, one ahead of the reigning Copa Libertadores champions, Palmeiras. And uh, the finalists, Santos, are eighth. They get the final preliminary spot in the Copa Libertadores for nine, for next season. Yes, eight teams going to the Copa Libertadores. A little bit different than what we're used to in Europe, of course. You don't see eight teams even go to Europe from any country, much less much less eight teams go right into the Champions League or the equivalent thereof. But that is how it works. There's a lot fewer countries in South America than there are in Europe. It is what it is. It's simple mathematics. Ninth place and a good finish for them, Atletico Paranaense. They're headed to the Copa Sudamericana as our Red Bull Bragantino. What a good season for them. A debut in, in the Serie A having been promoted in their first under the banner of Red Bull. And they're going to be very, very happy with a 10th place finish and qualification for the Copa Sudamericana. 11th place, Sierra. They're headed for the Copa Sudamericana as well. 52 points. One better than Corinthians in 12th. 51 for them. 12th place, yes, Copa Sudamericana. 13th place is also headed to the Copa Sudamericana. It is Atletico Guayanes. And in 14th, the final Copa Sudamericana place belongs to Bahia, who, who won it in a combination of results, having 
beating Santos and having Sport Recife lose on the final day. They nab 14th place in the final spot in the Copa Sudamericana. All the Brazilian teams in the Copa Sud go straight to the group stage. 15th place, like we said, Sport Recife and Fortaleza are 16th. They they are saved by, by goal difference. They are saved from relegation this is the 12 goals that they need that Vasco da Gama needed to make up they only managed to make up three having one by one in Fortaleza having lost by two not enough so Fortaleza's negative 10 goal difference enough to keep them in the Serie A for one more season of course important to know Fortaleza were managed by Rogério Ceni before he he left to take over at Flamengo and win the league in the last couple of months. and But they do manage to stay up. So an interesting dynamic in the table in Brazil. 14 teams qualify for comedy ball play. Two teams are... Two teams... Um, there are two teams who are neither relegated nor headed for international play. That's Sportacif and Fortaleza. Now the four... Relegated, two of them are Rio Giants. That's that's going to hurt the league a little bit. It is Vasco da Gama, Goiás, Curitiba, and Botafogo in that order going down. The league leaders now for scoring, uh, Luciano Neves and Claudinho are tied with 18. Brazil recognizes them both as golden boot winners. And like we said, uh, Tiago Gallardo, one behind him with 17, as is Marinho of Santos with 17. Uh, Herman Cano and Gabi Gol have 14 each, fifth and sixth for them, respectively. And then Gabi's uh, Flamengo teammate, Pedro, I talked about him, the unsung hero for me. Again, throughout the hardest parts of this season for Flamengo, when they were struggling most, Pedro came in and pulled up and managed to score crucial crucial goals sometimes only to 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 manage a draw but those draws added up and by, they end up winning the league by a single point a lot of that due to Pedro 13 goals for him same for Diego Souza of, of Grêmio and Vinícius of Sierra and then Brenner Renato Kaiser Rafael Vega have 11 Yuri Ribeiro, Fernando, Fernandão, Mateus Babi, Luiz Adriano, and Cano all with 10. That rounds out the top 17 goal scorers in the Brasileiro. Oh, now, on the next uh, the next time we talk South American football here on the podcast, uh, we'll go over the end-of-season re- rewards, the end-of-season awards, I should say, in the Brasileiro, and we'll review the, t- the, the two-legged final of the Copa do Brasil. It's Palmeiras and Grêmio, they're playing in the Copa Final. Of course, the second leg is this Sunday, March the 7th, and it'll be 4 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States, and it's on Fox Sports, I believe on Fox Sportsnet or Fox Sports 1 or 2. Um, it'll be available there uh, as the, those two teams will play the second leg right now. Palmeiras going home with a 1-0 advantage from the first leg. That, my friends... It's going to do it for this episode 27. I know it's been a little bit of a long one. I hope you enjoyed it. I've never used this format before. Not sure how it came out. I look forward to listening to this myself. But what a season it was for Brasileiro 2020. And um, like I said, it's coming in English in May. 
Last weekend of May, it kicks off once again. It will be the Brasileirão 2021, and it will conclude in the first week of December 2021. And um, the Brazilian football calendar will be back on schedule at that time, you know, hoping that that everything goes as planned and to catch back up and we get back to our normal calendar. Um, those of you unfamiliar with Brazilian football, um, they're not going away. In fact, their state championships have already begun. Some of the t- these teams have already played two matches in the last week to catch up, uh, whether they're in Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo and Rio Grande do Sul in um, the various of the, I think, 27. I'm... I apologize to my Brazilian friends. I'm I'm not 100% certain how many states there are in Brazil. But every state has its own football federation and, and its own championship. And now for the next three months, that's what the Brazilian teams are going to be looking at. Plus, we have preliminary action in the Copa Libertadores coming up in the next month. And the Copa Sudamericana as well. Play in the group stage will, of the Copa Libertadores will also kick off before the next Brasileiro season starts. So there really is no offseason this year. In Brazil, I, the players will get some time off. I know um, the managers are using some of their younger players now who are less used in the state championships, using it almost as a preseason. Um, but make no mistake, these these supporters demand these state championships be won, and they are very competitive. So it will be interesting to see. There won't be as much coverage of the Brazilian state championships on the podcast. They're harder to follow. Um, there's n- very hard to get television coverage. Uh, of the different state championships. The Paul, the Sao Paulo championship is the biggest one. It has the most big-name teams in it. But again, it, it's it's not easy to find on television. So it's sporadic, and it'll be hard to cover. But I will read off, you know, results and tables. Um, and as these championships head to their latter stages, to their semifinals, finals, uh I'll, we'll definitely revisit the Brazil State Championships when we get to that that portion of the season, as that will be the the segue into the new Brasileirão season. So, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed the season. If you watched along with me in this Brasileirão 2020, it was a joy to watch these matches, to bring you these results, to bring you these uh, ta- the table and these goal scores week after week. And I look forward to doing it again very soon. All right, this has been episode 27. Thank you for hanging with me this long. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off and reminding you to follow the show on Twitter at PTV underscore media and on Instagram at the same PTV underscore media. And I'm working on a website for parking the bus. So stay tuned to this space and I'll have more announcements regarding that in the very near future. Thank you and I'll catch you very soon. The next episode or the next two episodes will be covering the the UEFA Champions League and the UEFA Europa League, uh, the matches that have just concluded this past week uh, and I will be putting those out, keeping my fingers crossed in the next 24 hours or so. There'll be more content coming your way here on the PTB Media Network. And a special hello, of course, as always, to everyone listening to this on the Mr. Benfica feed. Um, There's a lot more stuff coming up on that. I'm getting back into the swing of this podcasting and producing as I'm trying to cut back on my my other work and try to focus some more of my energy on this as things are just starting to heat up all around the world. And don't forget... 
We've got Euro 2020. 100 days away, my friends. 100 days away from Euro 2020. I can't wait to bring that to you here on the Park in the Bus podcast. I got some special stuff planned. Hopefully, it'll all come to fruition and we'll all enjoy it. But that's going to be it for today. So I'll see you next time here on the PTB Media Network. On the way out, we will hail the champions with Flamengo's club anthem, Winu do Flamengo. Uma vez Flamengo, Flamengo sempre. Once Flamengo, always Flamengo. Congratulations to the champions. Flamengo, sempre Flamengo, Flamengo sempre eu hei de ser, é o meu maior prazer, pelo brilhar, seja na terra, seja no mar, vencer, 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 uma vez Flamengo, Flamengo até morrer, me arrebata, ele me mata, me maltrata, me arrebata, que emoção no coração. Sagrado no gramado, sempre amado, mas cortado no papo. É o Ai Jesus. Eu teria um desgosto profundo se faltasse o Flamengo no mundo. Ele vibra, ele é fibra, muita libra, já pesou. Parking the Bus Podcast and the PTB Media Network congratulate Flamengo back-to-back Brazilian League Champions 2019 and 2020. Parabéns, nação rubro-negra.